This is On the Block with Stricken Bach. Nebraska Basketball Hall of Famer and nine-year NBA vet, Eric Strickland. Strickland for three! Seven, the ticket veteran and Ortega connoisseur, Jake Bakoven. I like Ortega and I like Pepper. Coming at you live from the Coppel Chevrolet GMC studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. On air and online at theticketfm.com. This is On the Block with Stricken Bob. Hold up. Block with Stricken Bach on 93.7 The Ticket. Uh, happy Thursday and happy Brian Applewhite Day, more importantly than anything, uh, as he has announced the, the hire, the final hire, the 10th hire. Uh, not, not, I guess not the 10th hire, but the 10th coach of the upcoming Husker football staff. Uh, five hires total made this offseason, so it's been quite the change. Of course, we knew it was going to happen um, after the, the previous staff had some guys let go just before the final two games of the season last year, and now the staff is filled out for those keeping score at home. Offensive coordinator Mark Whipple, uh, obviously the big name there. Mickey Joseph has done great as the wide receiver coach so far. Um, even though he hasn't coached the game, he's been able to do a good job recruiting. Donovan Raiola, of course, the offensive line coach. Uh, special teams coordinator hired just a few days ago, made official Bill Bush promoted um, from within the staff. And then today it was announced Brian Applewhite coming over from TCU as the running backs coach. So that's kind of the news of the day, the excitement of the day. Of course, plenty more um, to talk about throughout the day and throughout the show here and on the block. Trev Alberts is out here making moves, uh, asking for a fan survey about uh, upgrading Memorial Stadium. Um, also considering outsourcing media rights, so that's kind of interesting. We'll get to that here within the next hour. Um, Trey McGowan's maybe uh, set to return against Purdue. We'll see, you know, kind of what uh, level he's able to return. So that's kind of what we got going on today. Evan Bland of Omaha World Herald will also join us at 425. And, of course, we will wait for Strick patiently until 4 o'clock when he's ready to break some of this stuff down. Until then, here on On the Block, it's the Ticket Water Cooler uh, with myself and Big Sky back in the studio. Big Sky, how are you, how are you feeling today on a Thursday? Uh, I feel good. I no complaints. It's a nice day in Lincoln. Uh, you can't you can't go out and necessarily enjoy it, but it is a nice Janu early January day in Lincoln. Yeah, it is really nice. I know I, I'm not a big fan of the winter or the snow, um, and uh, we've we've been able to avoid that. Obviously, last year there was the huge snow dump. Uh, I think around this time. I think it was getting close this time, maybe a little later in the month, but uh, maybe we can avoid it moving forward. We'll see. Uh, certainly could use more of this weather in the weeks to come, um, but I'm probably getting too hopeful. I think it's supposed to snow this weekend as well. But in any case, uh, I want to get your initial thoughts uh, on the text line, 402-464-5685. Of course, if you're like me, you didn't necessarily have – um, uh, haven't watched Brian Applewhite for the last 20 years, but he's been doing it for that long. He's been a running back coach for a long time here at the college level. Um, so you might have to run down his, uh, his resume, kind of look through what he's done, but just kind of your initial thoughts, big sky on the running back hire being finalized with Brian Applewhite. Oh, well, just off the bat, looking at TCU's stats from last year, seems to be a guy familiar with a running back by committee approach to the backfield with three running backs receiving over 90 or over 80 carries, uh, none of them really emerging and, and taking the job necessarily, even though there's a former five-star in Zach Evans that was in that backfield. He's at 
Ole Miss now. But uh, so I, I don't know if I, I was hoping for a thousand yard rusher, you know, maybe a guy who who just dominated in the backfield. But it looks like he is uh, perfectly capable of, of managing multiple multiple guys in the backfield. So that's encouraging given the, uh, the what is in the room right now. Yeah, it's kind of interesting just to, to break it down. If you look over his career, like you said, just the last couple of years at TCU, um, 2020 and 2021, did not have a thousand yard back there, but had several quarter, several running backs like you even mentioned, Zach Evans there with seven yards per carry last year. That's not bad. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I think that you would probably uh, put this higher more in the Donovan Riola category, more so than the maybe Mickey Joseph and Mark Whipple category. I think those were absolute home runs for Nebraska this offseason. I think Brian Applewhite, despite being at the opposite end of the spectrum with Donovan Riola as far as how long their career has been going, Riola obviously just getting kind of started, getting his first full-time college job here at Nebraska. Applewhite's been doing it for a long time. That that being said, I don't think this is an overwhelming hire. Not to not to you know poo poo on it too much. It's the Brian Applewhite day after all. Um, but just as we get to look through his uh, resume, um, it's interesting. So he's got 18 plus years uh, of of Division One running back coach experience. Throughout that time, I, I dug even a little further deep into um, the statistics and kind of what his running backs have done. I went back to 2003. For, for what it's worth, this is his resume. 2003 to 2008, he was at Wyoming. Uh, 2009, he had a short stay, brief stay with Montana State. Got back to the D1 level. 2010. Whoa, 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 whoa. Montana State is D1. Montana State is really? D1. It's FCS in football. Yes, in 2009. Okay, FCS. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Bach. FCS, okay, FBS level football, I should say. 2010 to 2014 is Louisiana Monroe. Sorry, I thought that maybe you're a Montana guy. I thought maybe that's the rival you would just let me get away with that one. I mean, I I, I respect the uh, cat disrespect, but I'm not going to it, – it would lower the product of Montana a little bit too because they're in the same conference. So. Yeah, overall, I suppose, you had to stick up for yep. the Grizzlies. Absolutely. Um, from 2015 to 2019, he was at Colorado State. And then, like we said, from 2020 to 2001 – at TCU, that's 18 years. I looked through them all. Two years he had an NFL, or excuse me, had a thousand yard running back um, out of 18. That's so. I mean, it, it, there's kind of different ways to look at that, and I, I am interested, especially what's kind of been going on there um, in in Dallas with TCU the last couple of years, uh, Fort Worth uh, technically, but um, is because it's it's certainly impressive anytime you can get one back, let alone two backs, over seven yards per carry. At the same time, you just kind of wonder why they weren't leaning in on a bell cow back there. Maybe it was just, uh, you know, kind of a two running back approach. They did. I mean, last year they had Zach Evans um, run for 648, seven yards per carry. Uh, Sindri Miller, uh, 7.5 yards per carry, 623 yards. So obviously combine those numbers. If Does it make you feel better if those numbers come from one back or, or, or is two backs fine? Because that's, you know, almost 1,300 yards over seven yards per carry. I don't care if you put 15 guys out there. If that's the product he got at running back, that's pretty solid. But like I said, maybe a bit of concern just over his long, lustrous running back coaching career. I mean, that's his spot. He doesn't jump around being a tight ends coach or a safeties coach down then. He's a running backs coach. But all over that time, 18 years, just 2,000-yard backs. I mean, that is an alarming stat, but I, I will say, you know, you did produce 1,200 yards rushing from a running back, and even with that split between two guys, I, I guess you, if you want to really get into it, 1,600 yards from running backs. Uh, most importantly, 
all three of them had more rushing yards than their quarterback. And so uh, the the fact that the quarterback wasn't leaned on as the leading rusher of the team is probably the most encouraging part about the hire when you're looking at what he did at TCU last year. As we know, Adrian Martinez led the Huskers in rushing yards last year and was close to the lead. I can't, I can't remember if he, he edged out uh, Dedrick Mills last year in the uh, COVID year. But... Well, I got some bad news for you, actually. Uh, in 2020, his first year at TCU, Max Duggan, the quarterback, led the team in rushing. Oh, yards. Bach, why would you do that to me? <laughs> I'm just bringing the stats. I'm just bringing you some extra knowledge. you got to look at both years, not just the one. Um, but uh, it is that's why I, I would say, um, I don't want to say an underwhelming hire, but not necessarily one that you just, like, you're kind of exploding about. Obviously, Mickey Joseph was one that was like, Whoa, he's, you know, and, and you have the, you kind of know what he brings to the table being a former Husker, probably followed his career a little bit, probably haven't followed Brian Applewhite's career quite as closely just because there hasn't been a connection until now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there, there are some things that, that are alarming that you look throughout his career that would say, uh, I'm not necessarily sure there's going to be a thousand yard back this year. But at the same time, like you said, you, necess- you can't necessarily force that. So maybe part of the idea, and I don't think this really played into it. I think it went into the interviews. What can you bring with us moving forward? But you certainly have to look at the resume as part of the hiring process is that he has done good with running back rooms by committee. And if you look at Nebraska's running back room right now, you don't have a stalwart to give him. So maybe it is going to be working by committee, and, uh, and and they were looking for a guy that, that's had good experience doing that. I would say this would be a significantly better hire if they could have got Applewhite in the room before Evans committed to Ole Miss because he was in the portal. So if you can bring in a guy like Applewhite who can immediately turn around and, and recruit a guy that's uh, that he has already coached and has that familiarity with, getting in a former f- five-star would have been nice for the Huskers, and maybe that's still a possibility because, as we saw with Dylan Gabriel, transfer portal commitments aren't as solid as uh, – as your your average uh, out of high school commitment, and and Evans has had his own recruiting story on top of uh, of the transfer portal. So I would say it'd be a little bit better of a hire if he could have brought in a a guy like that. But just given the facts, I I, I am encouraged, and it's a new beginning. We we saw what we had in the running backs coaching position, and what we were getting for production out of that previously, and it kind of just seems like we can only go up. Yeah, I mean, it, it obviously needs to get a lot better. You kind of wonder, too, um, some of the, the you know the offenses that he played in. We've mentioned before Mark Whipple, uh, more known as the quarterback side as far as developing guys on offense rather than the running game, um, though he's, he's had some success doing that, too. That's what I like about, you know, kind of pairing an Applewhite and a Whipple and a Joseph and, and, and Bill Bush, all the new hires outside of Riola, um, is you, you kind of want that – you kind of want a mix of both, right? You kind of want some young new blood – uh, in the program um, that that's kind of maybe understands the players and, and kind of what they're going through a little bit more. I think Donovan Royola will will provide that. I mean, he's, he's kind of a guy that's been where they want to go. He, he was really good at Wisconsin, you know, 15 years ago or whatever, and then, you know, had a chance to go to the NFL. So, you know, I know I, things change every – I mean, I, I, I even think back to my high school days. Things change every four years. No, no, like, four years of high school are anywhere close to the same as the previous four years just because of the way the technology is moving. And, and obviously, certainly today in NCAA football, um, things moving around quite a bit. But um, I think it's good to have that in, involved. But I also think, and, and, and you know, that, that you kind of play that along with Scott Frost as well. He's, 
he's you know paid his dues to a degree coming up to become a head coach uh, at this level, but he's still kind of kind of young. His his previous staff you would describe as uh, pretty young, and 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 you know kind of coming up with him. Now they've seemed to surround him with guys that you know Mark Whipple, Brian Applewhite, guys that have been in the business and not just in the business doing what they're going asked to do uh, with this hire um, for twenty plus you know I don't want to say twenty plus years, but combined you know. <laughs> quite a bit of time um, these guys have been rolling around doing it um, since the you know the early 2000s so uh, and in Mark Whipple's case even longer so it, it's uh, it's good to see some veteran experience added to the offensive side of the room I mean these guys have seen a lot of division one football uh, yeah and, and then there was that one year at Montana State as well yeah, that as well. That's true. Uh, which I guess we can count as Division One, uh, but uh, I was uh, more FBS. That w- how? I mean, I, I guess it's kind of funny when when you kind of compare those things because he, he went to Louisiana Monroe for like five years after that, and I, I there's definitely a difference between Louisiana Monroe and, and, and Montana State, but maybe not that big of one. Montana State's been pretty good lately. Um, so you know, we've seen over the years FCS teams can come up and knock off FBS teams. It just kind of gets back to the discussion of kind of what you do with non-Power 5 teams with Power 5 teams, right? Cincinnati can go undefeated in the American, but if they played in the Big Ten, um, and, and they can get a, a bowl victory in surprise teams, but if they played in the Big Ten week in, week out, or even more seriously, the SEC, right? Uh, in the week in, week out, would they end up undefeated? I, I didn't, I, you know, really, Bach, the more the more I find out about your thoughts about uh, how conferences work, I'm the more disappointed I become. Uh, I didn't realize you were a Cincinnati <laughs> doubter as well. We we're, we're complete opposites out here. Oh, I know you're a huge you're a huge Cincinnati guy. I'm more of a Luke Fickle uh, guy, but uh, he's at Cincinnati yeah. right now, so I have to be a Cincinnati guy. And a little bit of news, by the way, um, from Cincinnati. They, obviously, they had just a dynamic backfield. Um, there, there's there's uh, Ohio State does this every year, and they're really good at doing this. Is picking apart whoever does the best. You know, because it's Ohio State, you're going to lose some of your, your key pieces. And this year, it wasn't necessarily losing them the better jobs. They had to fire their defensive coordinator or, or kind of let him go. And I, I don't know if the, the terminology was firing, but they knew that he was not um, keeping the Ohio State defense up to up to tabs. So they went out and got Oklahoma State's Jim Knowles. And Oklahoma State, if you follow them all year, usually known for Mike Gundy's high-flying offense, their defense was what led them to, you know, within an inch, I suppose, of the college football playoffs. Um, and um, so they went out and hired Jim Knowles, huge hire. And then today they went out and got uh, Perry Eliano, I believe is how you pronounce it, to be their uh, safeties coach. And he was working with the defensive backs at Cincinnati. So um, maybe there's that Luke Fickle connection. Maybe uh, I'm sure Luke Fickle doesn't appreciate it. Um, but altogether, uh, it just continues to marvel me. Ohio State regardless of what happens and, and who they lose uh, in the coaching ranks, kind of like Alabama, just gets their pick of the litter. Whoever they want, they can pay them. Um, it'll be somebody coming off a high in their career, and uh, and they can put that together. So that's kind of fun. Uh, meanwhile, if you're looking at the Alabama side of things, Bill O'Brien interviewing for the Jacksonville position with Jacksonville Jaguars. So we might see uh, yet another quick quick stop in Tuscaloosa for the offensive coordinator, then uh, Bill, or excuse me, uh, the Nick Saban will just hire whoever's going to be the next head coach <laughs> down the line, you know, two years down the line at, at somewhere else. I mean, that's how, how these, it's just, I, I continue to marvel at it, where how, you know, kind of it deals uh, with the, the coaches there at Ohio State and Alabama, uh, completely different than what we saw with the huge and, and long run of Tom Osborne uh, back in the day where he's able to keep all those pieces together. And, and I think a lot of people would say that that helped his, his longevity, helped the continuity 
Um, and, you know, it's just a different day now where if you have success, you kind of move on. Alabama and Ohio State are pit stops, but they can get the hottest names in the game. Well, I think if you look at it, it's really uh, it's really how you pay pay those coordinators, and it's really how you uh, you respect them with like titles and that sort of thing. So if you look at Clemson, you know Brent Venables, he was he was paid very well to be the defensive coordinator, and he was uh, he was given you know a title that entitled him to uh, that was a weird sentence, but entitled him to a, a greater payday, and it, it it made it so that it was more advantageous for him to stay at Clemson until he got that Oklahoma offer. He got that really really nice soft landing spot so I, I think there's still a path to have those sorts of guys it's just going to cost these programs a lot more money to do it uh, I think previously it was uh head coaching experience was prioritized when you looked at who your next head coach was going to be yeah uh, you when Nebraska hires Bob Devaney it's he's the head coach at Wyoming and they, they go and steal him from Wyoming uh now so now it's more so who have you who have you studied under? Who, who who are you rubbing elbows with on a daily basis? And so I think that's why you're seeing that shift a little bit away from, I guess, prioritizing head coaching experience and more so, uh, what minds are you near and, and who are you who are you hoping uh, hopefully learning from? Yeah, and that Nick Saban thing, I mean, is it, just incredible too because we all know about his great record. Now two losses against guys from his tree, um, but those two guys that he's lost to, he's only lost once, and he's played them several times, and they've both won national championships now uh, in Kirby Smart and Jimbo Fisher. Of course, Fisher did it at Florida State now with Texas A&M, uh, but he's got some uh, record. I, I can't I remember what it was. It was floating around uh, maybe 24-2 and two now, 25-2, and two, something around there against his former uh, protégés, and, you know, and we'll see. Maybe Lane Kiffin can uh, pop up and get him. You know, he plays in that division now. Um, but it's, it's just kind of cool because sometimes the coaching trees, uh, perhaps like like Belichick's, Belichick's coaching tree um, mostly got a lot of guys' jobs, but they didn't have a whole lot of success in those jobs. I mean, but they were always the hot pick because they were working with the Patriots. Saban's been able to turn over some just miraculous head coaches um, who up until recently have been stifled at the national championship level by, uh, by Saban or at the SEC level by Saban. But uh, finally, Kirby Spurt breaking through and getting one for Georgia. And, of course, Jimbo Fisher had his, uh, his, his day, too. It was this past year. And, you know, all that stuff kind of leads you to believe, you know, I mean, you can kind of go some different ways there. Is, is Alabama, despite being in the national championship, falling off? Uh, a little bit there. I mean, they weren't as dominant as they had previously been, but how could you expect them to be? They lost the, the quarterback, the top two wide receivers, and a running back all to the NFL draft in the first round, and yet we're still expected in, in preseason number one. So, I, I mean, it's just incredible. And I know people get Alabama fatigue, but Nick Saban is just a, it's just a, a, so special to watch. All right. I, I, I ran the numbers this morning. I'm sick of this. these excuses we're putting out for Alabama. They have seven four- or five-star wide receivers on their roster from the last two recruiting classes. They can reload. They have the ability <laughs> to reload. Let's not play poor Alabama. They are perfectly fine. They have the, they have the weapons in place, and they knew John Mechie was not going to be available for the national championship game. They knew he wasn't going to be available for the semifinal game. You can, you can work to uh, – to uh, get guys ready, and if if you are a, an injury away from severely dropping off to the point where you're losing to a team you blew out uh, two weeks prior or, or two games prior, uh, maybe maybe you need to do a little bit better in the uh, in the in practice and in the film room. But I was also going to uh, ask, you know, <laughs> are we going to do the the little the little song and dance we like to do with Tom Brady 
he's getting up there in uh, in age, same as Nick Saban. And the moment there is a a, a down week for Tom Brady, the next week, uh, the next day, oh, is the cliff is the cliff here? Is is Tom Brady hit the cliff? Uh, Tom Brady, no more, no longer the goat, no longer the top of the sport. Are we gonna do that with Nick Saban now that he's uh he's finally shown weakness? Uh, he's two two losses in a season, didn't win the national championship. Is the cliff arrived for Nick Saban? <laughs> It might just have. It might just be there. I mean, we we have to ask if there's a drop off, despite him having the Heisman Trophy winner and being in the national championship game. Um, I I think he's doing fine. Uh, I I don't think Nick Saban could survive a Big Ten schedule. I'm just gonna say it. Oh uh, yeah, well that that might be true. Because <laughs> he already uh, hasn't, Buck. He he got fired at Michigan State. <laughs> he did not get fired at Michigan. Well, he got State. blown out. He got blown out by Nebraska, Michigan State. Yeah, at a time when Michigan State wasn't quite. Uh, hey, Mel, Tuc- Mel Tucker can do it. Mel Tucker can do it. <laughs> I'm not sure if Mel Tucker could take on that '95 uh, national championship for Nebraska either. That was an all-time great. Um, but uh, I mean, I I I think that it's kind of just fun to to play around with those ideas. Nick Saban clearly uh, still at the top of his sport and one of the best of all time, and the the best of all time, I would say. Uh, we bring, did bring up uh, Lane Kiffin as well. Kind of interesting news, of course. Monty Kiffin, former uh, Nebraska defensive coordinator, so there'll always be that kind of, I guess, I guess kind of uh, thought there that uh, that the, the Kiffins are connected to Nebraska, and they certainly are. I think Lane was even born and Lincoln because of that. Um, Lane Kiffin announced uh, that he's hiring Chris Kiffin uh, to, to be a co-coordinator, uh, defensive coordinator there. So that kind of be exciting. I, I, like, I like the idea of more Kiffins on the sideline with Lane. Um, and then in other news uh, that's just come across um, in the last uh, hour, half an hour or so, the Texans decided to fire their head coach, David Coley. So it's kind of weird. Uh, Black Monday has turned into Black Wednesday, Black Thursday, um, some teams kind of waiting to make their big decisions on whether they're going to let go of their head coaches. And the Texans uh, only giving Coley one season. Uh, I'm not sure if that's completely fair, but it is what it is, I suppose. Uh, TMZ2 on the uh, comment stream. I am not Nick. Uh, Nick is on the other side of the glass right now. <laughs> Big Sky is absolutely going to be a hater. So uh. Yeah. Big Sky is a different person than Nick. Yes, I yes. know they're both young good-looking guys but uh, you can you have to separate them a little Signi- bit. significantly less facial hair and uh, and, right. and less uh, less of a uh, nice haircut <laughs> well you're just going for different things I think your haircut's pretty solid I, uh, I, I did see that the Texans were targeting former Bill Belichick protege Brian Flores as their their number one option which I think would be a, a home run hire because he's really been the only uh, Belichick coaching tree uh leaf that or branch that has worked out at his next stop and even though the Dolphins moved on from him I thought that was a a bad move and we can ask Jake Sorensen about that as well he he was not excited about that move from the Dolphins yeah and I don't know why you would be I mean he's kind of the, the Dolphins roster has always kind of been mediocre while he's been there and he seems to get mediocre to better results um out of it so I'm not sure and, and I think he will I mean with all these openings he's got to be a name he might not be the the immediate, you know, the Jim Harbaugh, the home run hire that the media sees, I suppose. But um, I, I, I would assume he's going to be picked up because if I had a better roster than the Dolphins, I'd sure be interested to see what he could do with them. Absolutely. Uh, and we knew that the Dolphins were interested in Deshaun Watson or there were rumors that they were interested in Deshaun Watson. Uh, was that coming from Brian Flores? If it was, he's now got his guy. If not, Davis Mills uh, showed something at the end of the year that there might be a little bit of little bit to play with there a little bit of a quarterback controversy if they want to move on from Watson and and roll with Davis Mills so I I think the Texans could be an attractive uh, landing spot for Brian Flores 
<laughs> I'm not sure if the Texans are an attractive landing spot for anybody, but at least uh, you're able to sell David Mills a little bit there. Davis Mills. <laughs> Davis Mills. Yeah. Hey, hey, he's got he he's going to come in and he's going to have a chance to completely do his own th- uh, his his thing in in Houston. Uh, David Cully was always a strange hire, and I I I don't know if their results this year are going four and what thirteen were necessarily because they have a bad roster or if it was probably because David Cully wasn't cut out for a head coaching position just yet. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think a lot of it has to do with the roster you inherit, and that was a pretty rough roster for the Texans um, that you would expect him to get it done in one year. But if you, it, but the Cardinals did this a few years ago too, uh, where they give their their guys a shot for a year, didn't like it, moved on, um, and and now they're in the playoffs. So I mean, it's it's not always bad. I mean, you can say that he didn't win enough, you just get to the win loss record and all that stuff, or say he didn't have a whole lot to work with. But if you're the GM, if you're the owner, and you're kind of looking at day-to-day activities and just kind of thinking, you know what, maybe the roster doesn't allow it to get a whole lot better, but I see things here that, that alarm me, that make me think that this isn't going to grow at the rate that I want it to, it certainly makes sense to make a move. So the Texans uh, deciding to do that today. Of course, like we said, the big news uh, here in Lincoln, Brian Applewaite, um, uh, is uh, the Huskers have hired him. They made it official. So uh, we'll continue to talk about that. I want to hear from you, 424-464-5685. Let us know what are your kind of grades, your overall feeling about the, the, the hires and the coaching staff going into next year. It's, it's official. It's done. Mark Whipple, Brian Applewhite, Mickey Joseph, Donovan Rayla, and Bill Bush, the new hires. How do you feel about that? Let us know, 424-464-5685. We'll break down our own feelings coming up next here on the Ticket Water Cooler on On the Block.